here's what's coming up on your horizon. Well, unless you're a real gearhead, you probably don't think all that much about your car's engine until something goes wrong under the hood, and then you think a lot about the people that can fix it. Today, we take a closer look at jobs in the automotive industry, from careers in auto maintenance and repair to the new mix of fuels that keep us on the road. We'll tip our hat to the tried-and-true internal combustion engine and the mechanical miracle that happens every time we turn a key or now push a button. And we end the episode looking at a growing emphasis in Oklahoma for automotive manufacturing. Stay with us for CareerTech's Horizon. CareerTech Horizon is brought to you by the Oklahoma Department of Career and Technology Education. Visit us at poweredbyokcareertech.com to learn more. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a socially distanced episode of Horizon. I'm Rob McClendon on one side of the studio. And I'm Blaine Singletary on the other side. And yes, while a lot of this is being recorded in our usual studio space, a lot more of it is being recorded at home. These are strange times indeed, Blaine. And I'd imagine one of the things that you and our listeners are not doing much of right now is driving. Mm-hmm, that's right. It really is a luxury many of us took for granted. Having a car and being able to freely and easily get from point A to point B. But even in the normal times, I'm sure you remember a time, Rob, where it had to sit in the shop for a few days and how much more inconvenient life got. The National Bureau of Transportation Statistics puts the number of registered vehicles in the U.S. at over 272 million as of 2017. And considering that AAA recommends those cars, trucks, and motorcycles get maintenance at least once a year, the auto service and repair industry has a steady stream of work. But what isn't so steady are new technicians entering the field. We went to one event that seeks to solve that problem by bringing everyone together. Every year, for over a century... Automotive dealers, enthusiasts, and just plain car lovers alike have gathered for the OKC Auto Show at State Fair Park. They've come to see the latest and greatest cars from major manufacturers and ogle classic automobiles on the show floor. But a big crowd has gathered in one corner of the showroom as groups of teens are ratcheting away at hot rod engines. This is Hot Rodders of Tomorrow, the engine challenge. It's an engine build contest for all high school students from across the nation to get a jump start in their career in the automotive field. That's Jim LaFevers of Eastern Oklahoma County Technology Center. And he's not kidding about that jump start. $20 million in scholarships to automotive colleges are up for grabs. All they have to do to get involved is to uh, enroll in an automotive program, find themselves a team, get five of them together, and start a team and practice on the engines and go qualify. That's one of the other big audiences of this auto show. Students. Young hopefuls of the industry that are here to compete, network, and learn more about this industry that they're taking classes for, or thinking about taking classes for. We have a, more of a shortage for automotive technicians in this country than they can fill, and they need every one they can get to fill those positions. And these positions are not only wide-ranging, but also feature plenty of room to grow. Tim Irwin works for the Fowler Honda dealership in Norman. 
as far as a career in the automotive business, you can start out as a technician and you can work your way up to a service manager or service director. There's all kinds of career paths you can take. The high schoolers we talk to are dreaming just as big about this too. I really want to get into Freightliner or Rush Truck Centers if I'm able to and just start from there and build my way up. Ford is maybe one of my favorite car companies, so it'd be good to get hired by them. Good money too. I mean, if I get hired, that's that'd be awesome. That'd be a dream of mine. I'm thinking um, whenever I do graduate from it, I'm going to probably go to service and then try to own my own paint shop and service. In order, that was Alexis Stanfield, Travis Vincent, and Haley Anderson. Show organizer Peter Hodges says they love getting these students from all over the state out onto the show floor. It's important to bring the students here for, for one thing, the career fair, to to see that there are um, there's uh, plenty of careers available for them in, in the in the automotive uh, field. He also says it's important for them to explore the showroom and see how cars have changed over the past century, since they're likely to change in some big ways as they begin their careers. Again, Tim Irwin. The future business is, is electrical cars. That's where the that's where the technology is going. Today's the opportunity for um, a young technician. Um, because the, the car business is going to be electric. Donnie Pelkey, also from Fowler and Norman. The technology is, is going to be beyond the older technician, the, the technicians that are retiring. So it's a perfect opportunity for them to, to get on the ground level. And that's not the only reason. Brandon Beckenrode of the Collision Repair Education Foundation says, with not as many students knowing about these careers as a viable path, the automotive workforce has been trending older. The average age in the automotive industry is getting close to 50 years old, so you have a lot of local and national companies that are in panic mode because they need the next generation of students to come in. So for about three to four years now, we've been holding events like this around the country to help get students introduced to these employers and see and meet who is looking to hire them in the future. Though from what he's seen today, his outlook is a positive one. I think it was right around 1,100 total students from all over the state have come in, Um, but you'll see there's a combination of body shops and dealerships, um, and these are companies that need these students for employment as we're all getting into accidents and need their cars fixed in a timely manner. So these companies are coming out and can't say thank you enough to them for supporting the event. We decided to dig a little deeper and take to the open road ourselves traveling to one of these automotive programs at Southern Tech in Ardmore. There, we met Scott Webb, who teaches their auto service technology program. Their classroom, as it were, really looks like your typical auto shop, both outside and in. In the shop, we have several vehicles. We have students doing some transmission removal and reinstallation on a couple of pickups. And then down toward the end, we have our CNG Honda Civic on the third from the last lift and then we have our um, Nissan Leaf all-electric and finally our Toyota Prius hybrid. You heard that right. While the majority of vehicles on the shop racks are traditional gas cars and trucks, Scott has quite a few alternative fueled vehicles in the shop as well. We've tried to implement some training to include all types of alternative fuels, um, natural gas and electric and hybrid because We feel like that is a growing segment of the market for our students. Overall, electric is really only with slightly less than 2% of the total vehicles on the road. So pretty small, but 
If we factor in hybrids and electrics, there are over 1.2 million of those vehicles out there. So if you're working in a major city in, in a shop, you're probably gonna encounter at least a few. And should one of his students encounter one of these cars, it's important to know a few key differences, which all come down to safety first. First of all, students have to learn the safety side. They have to be able to understand what systems they can work with without special safety equipment, what things they need to stay away from unless they're uh, geared up with their personal protective equipment. In typical automotive applications, our battery voltage we're dealing with is 12 to 14 volts. With our hybrids, we see anything from 200 and up to all electrics with as many as 700 volts. And uh, so that can be a uh, life endangering issue if you don't understand what you can do and what you can't. Looking under the hood, both gas and electric cars look fairly similar, but the two really are different beasts and need to be treated differently. For example, electric and hybrids have this large orange wire. This is that high voltage line Scott was talking about, and it needs to be treated with utmost care. The most important thing is understanding how to disable the uh, power, the high voltage circuit from the battery. And that involves a process where you're gonna have to wear some high voltage uh, gloves and protection. These are two layers. You're gonna have a rubber glove plus a leather glove over it. And uh, anytime you're working on those things, you're gonna have to do that first before you take it apart. Scott says perhaps one day this may be taught in its own class. But for now, this class and the rest of the auto industry will keep looking to the future and the other technological innovations just down the road. I was at a training session with Ford last summer and Ford's talking about having self-driving cars by 2023. Now to me, that feels like that's awfully quick and I'm not sure, but I can tell you there are videos in YouTube of Ford's self-driving vehicle in Florida being tested right now. And they have a driver that rides along and doesn't do anything. The driver's just there in case there was a system failure. And so far, the systems look pretty good. Of course, the only constant here is change. And these automotive programs have to be ready to change too to keep their skills relevant. When gas prices were spiking up over $3 a gallon, there's demand for people wanting to learn how to convert vehicles. Now, gas prices kind of dropped back down. People are kind of backed off wanting to convert to natural gas because it's expensive up front. But as oil prices cycle up and down, you see more demand, and that allows us to offer training at times on how that process would go to convert a vehicle to natural gas. And then my main focus with my all-day students is focusing on the safety side because with 3,600 pounds of pressure at the tank, you can get yourself hurt if you don't know what's going on. So as you can see, Rob, it keeps going back to safety for him. Yeah, you know, it really is important. And I'd imagine not just for people who are servicing these cars. That's right. It's the first responders, too. When he was showing me under the hood of these electric vehicles, he said that some of them are even incorporating auto shutoff mechanisms. So when the airbag deploys in an accident, the electric battery shuts off, too. 
But even then, you have to be careful, especially if you cut into a car or have to use the jaws of life. You know, metal and electricity don't mix too well sometimes. <laughs> if you're not grounded, I, I would say it doesn't mix any time. That's right. <laughs> now, when we come back, we shift gears from auto service and repair to auto manufacturing. But first, we put the spotlight on a not-so-modern marvel known as the combustion engine and the oil and gas industry that fuels it. Career Tech Horizon is brought to you by Career Tech. Keep striving. Ever since I was little, I just loved hair and makeup and everything about it. I was experimenting even when I was five years old and getting into my mom's makeup and doing things. And I just knew that this was what I was meant to do because I was so good at it. And it was really my calling. Everything is hands-on. We have activities. We do things on each other, we do facials, we do haircuts and styling, and that's what's great about this class. I can really learn from just being hands-on, and it's really helped excel myself in this career rather than if I feel like I went somewhere else. Visit us at poweredbyokcareertech.com to learn more. The modern combustion engine is really a technological marvel, a mechanical miracle that extracts maximum horsepower and efficiency using oil-based fuels. And although hybrid and electric powertrains are on the rise, for now, combustion engines, all using gasoline or diesel fuel, well, they still on the road. And that's just one of the premises of a documentary called Spoiled. That's spelled S-P, capital O-I-L-E-D. I've been a user for most of my life. America is addicted to oil. Like all junkies, I've paid a heavy price for my habit. Is that right? That is true. Yeah. People have ridiculed me for years for challenging what we think we know about oil. Well, you're, you're giving your opinion, which is interesting. I keep trying to debate the facts, but a lot of folks just don't want to hear it. Let's go. How are you tired of talking to this guy? That's because my drug of choice is not the one these people are talking about. And I talked to filmmaker Mark Mathis outside as the film premiered in Tulsa, Oklahoma. You know, I, I was working first as a news reporter and then as a consultant. And as a consultant, I was brought in to uh, do some consulting with the, uh, some folks in the energy sector. And I start, anytime you're a consultant and you go and you learn about uh, an industry, you have to study that industry. Well, I was blown away. And at that time, I was 40 years old. I had run a successful business. I'd been a news reporter for 10 years, and I, yet I did not have any knowledge of oil and the fundamental energy sources that run our lives. I became astonished at my own ignorance. And then, on top of that, I was blown away that I was so misinformed and that all of the people around me were misinformed. I became obsessed with the subject, and I've been obsessed for about 10 years. So Mark began a journey making a film that is kind of a love letter to an industry that's often maligned, but remains vitally important to our economy, especially in energy-rich states like Oklahoma. You know, it's been a little surprising. I mean, of course, in places like Tulsa, Oklahoma, uh, it, it's very well received, and, and people come out of the theater saying, you know, thank goodness. We, we, we've been, for so long, we're, we're tired of people just misrepresenting 
this commodity, this industry, what it does. We're so glad that somebody just told us the truth, warts and all. It's not some kind of a love song for the industry. Spoiled just tells what it is straight up. So that's been very encouraging and somewhat expected. The unexpected thing is that we have people from the left side of the political spectrum who watch this film, people who are very concerned about the environment, and when they're done watching the film, they come away from it and they say, you know what, this guy makes a lot of really good points and we actually like the film. They'll get heartburn over a couple of issues that we discuss in the film, but on balance, even people on the left side of the political spectrum uh, respect the film and think it's important and, and recommend it to, to other people to see. And here's why. Oil is in most everything. From plastics to pharmaceuticals, oil permeates modern society. And when it comes to heading out on the highway, alternative fuel vehicles, while growing, still only make up just over 10% of those on the road. I think we need to use all of our resources wisely, no matter what they are, but especially oil, which is the most valuable resource we have. We need to value this resource. We need to use it wisely. Uh, we need to be more efficient with it. And you know, and the fact of the matter is, we as a culture have become much more efficient in how we use oil, more efficient than, than um, almost any other nation. So we're, we're doing a good job, we can do a better job, and as this resource becomes more expensive, and as uh, other products that are made from this resource become more expensive, we're gonna be forced to use it more efficiently and, and we'll adapt. Now, Blaine, I'm not lost on the irony that we're talking about the growing price of oil at the same time that I paid just last week, roughly the same price for gasoline that I did when I first started driving. Oh, man, it's lower than I even remember ever paying. <laughs> well, my started driving was 41 years ago. That, that gives you some idea. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Speaking of irony, I saw on social media posts someone wrote saying that with social distancing and the quarantine orders, they're getting roughly about three weeks to the gallon. <laughs> well, there you go. The good old laws of supply and demand. Let me tell you, it could get painful. Despite the fact that major oil producing nations agreed to cut production by 10%, the energy industry is continuing to shed jobs. And that's bad, not just for the oil patch. It's bad for the entire state. Oil and gas revenue funds a lot of things, including everything from state government to our schools and roads. Well, aren't you just a ray of sunshine? Unfortunately, just a realist. So any silver linings to this dark cloud? Well, oil markets are cyclical and definitely global. But like any commodity, low prices lead to low production. And that, in turn, will eventually lead to higher prices. That's right. So we'll keep an eye on those. Still to come on Career Tech Horizon, automotive manufacturing in Oklahoma. Career Tech Horizon is brought to you by Career Tech. Keep striving. We do hands-on in the classroom before we go into the patient setting. So we have high fidelity simulation, so that prepares them, kind of gets their foot in the door on how to do certain skills like starting IVs, putting down NG tubes, any of the things that they'll need to do in the hospital. They get to try it on a mannequin first and have our feedback, and then they get to go and do that in the clinical setting in a hospital. My favorite part about being a teacher is being able to instill the values and 
show good technique to my students and watch them evolve in that position. My students learn how to do all of the skill sets that would be required in the field of practical nursing. You're constantly learning, you're constantly evolving. It's very versatile. Visit us at poweredbyokcareertech.com to learn more. Well, Oklahoma is no stranger to auto manufacturing. During the time of Henry Ford, several car manufacturers came and went. In 1979, General Motors built a sprawling 3 million square foot facility to produce front-wheel drive cars near Tinker Air Force Base. That plant closed in 2006 and is now a hub of activity for aerospace manufacturing, which is only fitting when you consider what state economic leaders are trying to do to attract the auto industry. we've done successfully in Oklahoma is target our recruitment of companies. We, we want to diversify our economy. We, we love the oil and gas industry, we love the agricultural industry, but they're commodity-based uh, industries. So if the price goes down around the world, it affects our economy here locally. So we need to diversify. Brent Kisling is the director of Oklahoma's Department of Commerce. And fortunately, about 15 years ago, we had a strong focus on renewable energy, and we assembled a whole team of folks that uh, uh, went to every wind show, met with every wind developer around the world, and we went from zero to second in the nation in wind development, uh, wind capacity. Uh, we did the same thing with aerospace. Now aerospace is our second largest employer in the state of Oklahoma. Well, now we're looking at what's next. What else can we target? Automotive is a perfect fit for us. One, because a lot of the components are manufactured in Mexico, and they've typically gone to southeastern United States for final assembly. And as the uh, companies continue to want to serve the western United States, it makes sense for Texas and Oklahoma and Kansas to capture some of that, uh, some of that workload. But the other thing is that a lot of the same companies that work in aerospace work in automotive. You know, we have Rolls-Royce as a pretty significant uh, presence here in Oklahoma because they make engines for airplanes. And a lot of the Ford and, and a lot of them have, have uh, crossover. And so the, the workforce is the same, the companies are the same, the equipment are the same. Uh, it, it's a natural fit for us. So using almost the same business model to grow aerospace jobs, Oklahoma business recruiters are now focusing on the auto industry. The automotive industry is concentrated in the south, uh, southern part of the United States, and those companies have become very competitive. And so workers are moving from company to company, pushing wages up. So it's moving that whole industry is shifting to the west. So now Oklahoma is a prime candidate to be very competitive towards those companies uh, that are looking for a new lo location but can't find the workforce that they need in the south. Jennifer Springer is the Director of International Trade for Oklahoma's Department of Commerce and says not only can the state provide a ready workforce, its location is increasingly ideal. The new trade treaties that they're trying to uh, approve through Congress uh, that replaces NAFTA, there were some changes that were made to that. So two, which is uh, interesting and makes Oklahoma more competitive. The first piece of that is auto workers in Mexico will have to make 16, at least $16 an hour by 2023. And so those companies right now that are right across uh, the border in Mexico that are manufacturing parts and then moving them back and forth into the United States, it'll be, there'll be more. The wages are going to go up there, so they'll be more competitive in the United States to be able to move onshore those companies, whereas you know before they were doing it for cost. And the other component to that is 75% uh, of car parts will have to be manufactured in the United States. And that's a change from about 62%. 
But not all parts manufacturers are made the same. Just as the old marketing slogan goes, This is not your father's Oldsmobile. This is the new generation of So the automotive industry is in a great deal of disruption, and that's because new technologies are coming on. Um, they've stopped doing research and development on the combustion engine, so they're looking at different uh, electrical vehicle, electric vehicles and some other things. So uh, there's a lot, there's quite a bit of disruption in the industry, and so right now what we're trying to do is discover which subsectors uh, Oklahoma could be competitive in, and then locating those companies here in Oklahoma. So while data may determine what type of parts manufacturers the Commerce Department recruits, Springer says their potential location will depend upon available land and available workforce. These companies will require a little bit more land, and so this is actually a great target for rural communities around our state because it would give them play and they'd be automotive companies would be great fits in, auto, in rural communities. And that means training. So we have to work with higher ed, but with our career techs, all those that are embedded in our rural communities and around the state, uh, work with them to start looking at skill sets that these workers would need. And a lot of it will pair with uh, the aerospace industry, but developing those programs and implementing them now so that we can go and talk to a company and say, look, we have this workforce available. It's very hard to find. It's the workforce is the number one driver in projects right now. So when an international company is looking for a location in the United States, they say workforce is the number one reason they choose the location they do. So we've got to get into our career techs, our higher ed, and even K through 12, and start building those skill sets so that when these companies come, they can choose. Oklahoma, with its growing auto industry. Before we close our show today, we want to hear from you. Tell us about the best or favorite car you've ever had. What's a memorable trip you remember taking with it? Let us know on our Facebook page. Just search for Career Tech Horizon. Or find us on Twitter at CT underscore Horizon, where you can also stay up to date with our next episode. And thank you all so very much for listening to this episode of Horizon. We hope that, despite the different ways we had to make this one, we still gave you a bit of enjoyment and something to take your mind off the doom and gloom. If you enjoyed it, be sure to leave a good rating and review on your podcast app of choice. And tell your friends, podcasts are the one thing you can responsibly share with your friends right now. And we hope to see you all in our next episode. Career Tech Horizon is a production of the Oklahoma Department of Career and Technology Education and is produced by me, Blaine Singletary. And me, Rob McClendon. With additional help from Connie Romans. Stay healthy, and we'll see you next time on Your Horizon.